Hi everyone, welcome to the Daily Gospel Exegesis Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I've just got a short message to share with you. There's an exciting new product available from the Logical Bible Study Ministry. This is actually the very first product we've made available to the public, which is a complete gospel commentary for the Gospel of Mark. So you can now get access to a verse-by-verse commentary in chronological order for every single verse of the Gospel of Mark, and you can get it all in a single package. And this is actually taking quite a while to produce, and there's quite a few things included in this package. So you've got a verse-by-verse commentary on every single verse, and for those of you who are regular, regular listeners of the podcast, that will include all of the parts of Mark that you have heard over the years on the podcast, as well as some bonus parts of the Gospel of Mark that you may never have heard before, because some parts of the Gospel of Mark are never read at Mass. All of that is included for you in the commentary, so it it covers every single verse. Also includes all of the catechism references to every passage in the Gospel of Mark, as well as uh, references to other authoritative church documents where the church has authoritatively taught using a particular passage from the Gospel of Mark. All of that is included for you uh, in that same commentary. Along with that, there's some PDF notes for each episode showing you the quotes from the Catechism and the quotes from other authoritative church documents. Overall, it's over 50 hours long. It's a big audio commentary, but it's very comprehensive. So if you're interested in that product, it's hosted on the website called Soundwise, and you can get digital access to the product that way, and there's a link for that in the episode description for today's podcast. So it is a paid product, but once you have paid for it, you get access to the entire commentary forever. It's all yours to keep. So if you're interested in this, please take a look at the link in the episode description below, and please tell other people about it. You might know people in your life who are interested in the Bible or learning more about the Gospels, but are not sure where to start, or then maybe wouldn't be the kind of person that would pick up a big written commentary, but maybe they listen to audiobooks, this would be a great resource to give them, particularly because uh, the Gospel of Mark is the shortest Gospel. So it's a great way to start your uh, more in-depth study of the Gospels. So the complete Gospel commentary from the Gospel of Mark is now available, and there'll be further commentaries coming out in the future as well. Please let other people know about it, and you'll probably hear more of this short message for some of the other episodes in the coming days. Thanks so much for your support of this podcast and the ministry. Hopefully it's helping you have a deeper understanding of the Gospels and Jesus' words, and it's bringing you to a deeper understanding of God and His kingdom. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in again to our Logical Daily Gospel Exegesis podcast. I hope you're getting a lot out of studying the Gospels in this way. It is really important to always start with the literal sense of the text before we jump into any additional spiritual meanings. And sometimes you might hear homilies at church where you don't hear a lot about the literal sense, what was going on in terms of the author trying to, what were they trying to communicate to the original audience. But we should really start with that before we try and get into any practical applications. And that's the mission of this podcast, really, to unpack the literal sense of the Gospels, to find out what it meant in its original context. Today, if you go to Mass, you'll hear from 
Luke chapter 11, verses 29 to 32. So here's the passage. The crowds got even bigger and Jesus addressed them. This is a wicked generation. It is asking for a sign. The only sign it will be it will be given is the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. On Judgment Day, the Queen of the South will rise up with the men of this generation and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. On Judgment Day, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation and condemn it, because when Jonah preached, they repented, and there is something greater than Jonah here. So what's the context of this passage? Jesus has been preaching in the towns on a variety of different topics. And now in verse 29, it says the crowds got even bigger. So Jesus is growing in popularity. And here's what he says. He's not about to preach a very friendly message. It's quite a scathing message, actually. He says, this is a wicked generation. Now, he's talking about the Jewish people in his time. The people who were hearing him speak these words. It is asking for a sign. So notice the reason why they're wicked is because in this context, they're asking for a sign. In verse 16 of this chapter earlier, the crowd has been asking Jesus for a sign. So we know that they have been doing this. So what does that mean? Well, it means they're asking for miraculous works of God rather than trusting in God and trusting in the message that the Messiah has come to deliver them about the kingdom of God. Rather than just listening and accepting it, they're putting God to the test. They're demanding an extra sign. It's actually quite similar to what the Israelites did in the Old Testament when they were wandering in the wilderness. They didn't trust God and they asked him for a sign. And obviously that God wasn't too happy with that. And Jesus is using a similar kind of language here. So he says, the only sign it will be given is the sign of Jonah. Now, what's the sign of Jonah? Elsewhere in the Gospels, it means it draws a parallel between Well, Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Well, similarly, Jesus will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. So that's one parallel that's set up, but not here. In this context, Jesus is about to tell us what he means by the sign of Jonah, and it means something different. Verse 30, Jesus says, for, so that we should always pay attention there. Jesus is about to explain what he means. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites... So we need to pause here and talk about Jonah and the Ninevites. So in the book of Jonah, Jonah is a prophet and he's sent to preach to the city of Nineveh, which was quite an evil city. The people of Jonah, the people of Nineveh noticed Jonah's holiness as he's walking through the town preaching. The people of Nineveh kind of stood up, uh, sat up and took notice. And they really did notice how holy Jonah was and his message was true and they realized how wicked they were, basically. So in that sense, he became a sign to them. And in the case of the Ninevites, they actually repented in response to the preaching of Jonah. So Jesus goes on, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. So Jesus is setting up a parallel between the Messiah, or another word for that is Son of Man, and Jonah. He says the Messiah is going to fulfill a similar function. Just as Jonah preached a message of repentance from God to a wicked generation, The Messiah is doing the same thing. He's also going to preach a message to the wicked generation. 
Now, you could also say that uh, the fact that Jonah was spat out by the whale was also a sign. And in that sense, Jesus' resurrection will also be a sign to this generation as well. So there could be that secondary meaning. But the, the primary meaning here we're thinking of is the Ninevites repented when they heard Jonah. And so the people in Jesus' time should be repenting when they hear Jesus. Jesus now says, on judgment day, so that's at the end of time, the queen of the south, and this is the queen of Sheba. So in the Old Testament, when Solomon is king, the the queen of Sheba hears about Solomon's wisdom and the things he's saying, and she comes to visit Solomon, who's a Jew. So he she hears about his wisdom and holiness. She comes and listens to him, and she responds, and it appears that she turns to God as a result of the words that she hears Solomon say. So Jesus says, on judgment day, the queen of the south will rise up with the men of this generation. So what does that mean? Will rise up with the men of this generation. It, it's kind of courtroom language. It's like everyone's rising up in the courtroom and then the queen of Sheba is going to point her finger in the courtroom at this generation in the time of Jesus and accuse them. And the reason is because something greater than Solomon is here. So, in what sense is the Messiah greater than Solomon? Well, lots of different ways, but Jesus as the Messiah is the very Son of God. He's God's most perfect representative. Whereas Solomon, although he's considered to be a Son of God in a way, it's only in kind of like an in an anal- analogical sense, really. He's not literally the Son of God, but now Jesus the Messiah is literally the Son of God. So, something greater than Solomon is here. So, she'll rise up and condemn them Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and there is something greater than Solomon here. So think about Jesus' logic here. He says that if the queen of Sheba was able to recognize the message of God in a minor sign, like Solomon, in a minor prophet, like Solomon, then by logical extension, the Jews of Jesus' day should have recognized that the much more obvious sign of the Messiah, Solomon is pretty obvious in himself in terms of the way he preaches, but now something even more obvious is here, which is the preaching of Jesus, the Messiah. But since it appears that the Jews of Jesus' day on the whole are not responding to the obvious sign of the Messiah, then the Queen of the South will be among those who condemn that generation. Now, is this a literal scene? Like, is this actually going to happen on Judgment Day? Will there be a courtroom where the Queen of Sheba literally points her finger at this generation? It could be. It's not entirely clear. But it could also be a parable, like a mini parable, where Jesus is just illustrating how wicked the Jews are in comparison to the Queen of the South. So it could be a parable, or it could literally be that this is going to happen. So Jesus now gives a second analogy, which makes the same basic point. He says, the men of Nineveh, Now, remember, these are the men who responded to Jonah's preaching. We'll stand up with this generation and condemn it because when Jonah preached, they repented. So that's the key thing. When Jonah preached, they repented. And now something greater than Jonah is here. So Jonah was a minor prophet, but Jesus is the final prophet. He's the word incarnate himself. So the Messiah, Jesus, is much greater than Jonah. So if the men of Nineveh responded to the preaching of Jonah, then logically they would have responded to the preaching of the Messiah as well, if they could hear it. So with these references combined to Jonah and the Queen of Sheba and Solomon, actually, it appears that Luke is highlighting 
that Jesus is both prophet and king. He's greater than the prophet Jonah, and he's greater than the king Solomon. So that's an interesting connection there. So why does Jesus use these two analogies, the Queen of Sheba and uh, the men of Nineveh? What did they, those two have in common? Well, they both repented when they heard the minor messengers that God sent them. And logically, they would have responded if they had heard the preaching of the Messiah too. That's the main point Jesus is making. There's another interesting similarity, though, which Luke has brought out. Well, not Luke has brought out, but Luke felt important to include because he writes for Gentile audience. And that is that both Nineveh, the men of Nineveh, and the Queen of Sheba are both Gentiles. So Jesus is really digging the needle in here to his audience. He's telling his audience that even Gentiles can recognize a genuine message from God. But you Jewish generation who should know better, you don't seem to be able to recognize the voice of God. And that would have really uh, made the Jews feel bad when they heard Jesus say that. So Jesus has actually set up quite an interesting, clever um, comparison here between himself, the men of Nineveh and the Queen of Sheba. So in the coming verses, Jesus continues to move from Galilee to Jerusalem. In the next section, so verse 33 to 36, that's all about the light of the body. It's where Jesus has that weird discussion about how the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, that's never actually read in the lectionary at all, either on a weekday or a Sunday. So we will cover that next section, verse 33 to 36, as a bonus episode of the podcast. If you want to get access to that podcast, you need to become a member of the Patreon page. And there's a link to that in the show notes. Basically, If you are willing to become a financial partner over the ministry and enable us to do more things and get the word out further, then you can get access to all those bonus episodes. So please have a look at the Patreon page if you've been benefiting from this ministry and you feel like you want to keep supporting it and helping it do more things, I would be very grateful and it will certainly help expand the work of the ministry so more and more people can get to know Jesus deeper through an exegesis of scripture. So that's all in the show notes for you. So that's the end of our exegesis for today. There are no references to this directly in the catechism, although obviously there are some general principles about this passage in terms of repentance and responding to Jesus that are brought out in other places in the catechism. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in again tomorrow.